I put in the request from the pulpit. So Joshua chapter number 14, uh, I like singing that brags on the Lord. Amen. Amen. A great choir song. Uh, we were talking in Sunday school this morning. We've been, uh, Brother Ziddle and I have been going kind of a direction on being soul winners, answering the reason why you have what you have, uh, why you know what you know, why you believe what you believe. And we were talking this morning about how the, our culture is changing. You can't preach a message like we've been, you're still the gospel, but you've got to answer why we even believe in God in the first place now. And, but I'm glad it still works. Amen. Boy, that's doesn't matter who the person is. God can still save them. Uh, all throughout the world, God's saving people from all kind of backgrounds and cultures and, and situations. God can still save folks. So we're going to look in jo Joshua chapter 14. Let's get you in the context of the passage. When you come to Joshua chapter 14, Moses has died and has stepped off the scene. And Joshua is now leading the children of Israel for all into the Canaan land to take it over, to, to, to gain the possession that God has promised them. And they've gained some victories up to this point. They've had some hurdles at Ai and, and Achan and what he had done, but now they're beginning to see victory after victory after victory. And we're coming to Joshua chapter number 14, and Caleb, which was one of the two, one of the two good spies of the 12 spies that had went and brought, spied out the Canaan land years before, Joshua and Caleb were the two good ones. Caleb comes to Joshua and he makes a request. Stand with me if you're able. We'll look at this passage of Scripture. In Joshua chapter number 14, verse number 6. The Bible says, Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua in Gilgal. Now this is Caleb's tribe, Caleb's people, the children of Judah. It says, And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. What is he talking about? Remember how two of the spies came back and said, We can do it. We can get the victory. And Ten said, No, they're too big. They're way too big. We sing a song with the kids in children's church. said 12 men went to spy on Canaan. Ten were bad and two were good. Who were the good ones? Joshua and Caleb. They said, we can do it. And the other ten said no. And the children of Israel believed the ten. And God said, none of you are going in except Joshua and Caleb. And then the kids. So what happened? All that generation had to die off before they could go in the promised land. Let's read verse number 7. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the part of the people melt. That was the ten that said we can't do it. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses sware on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon my feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. Boy, what a testimony to have said about you. Verse 10, And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said these forty and five years. Even since the Lord spake his word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. He's 85 years old when he's saying this. He says in verse 12, Now therefore give me this mountain. What did he say? He said, Moses promised me the mountain that I walked on, and I want the mountain that I was promised. Whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. 
And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb, the son of Jephna, Hebron, for an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephna, the Kenizzite, unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron before was Kirjatharba, which Arba was a great man among the Anakims, and the land had rest from war. I want to preach on this simple thought taken from the beginning of verse number 12 where it says, Wherefore, now therefore give me this mountain. I want to preach on the thought of getting your mountain. Let's pray. Father, I pray that every individual would listen with an attentive heart this evening, that you would speak to each individual need. God, no doubt every person in this room has something they would love to see you do, a victory they would love to see gained. And God, I pray that you would help them to do that. God, help them to see, God, what you could do through the course of this message. God, help Calvary see what you could do for this church and through this church if we would get behind you and do what you would will. God, I pray that you would help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You could be seated this evening. In this passage, Joshua, who has gone and with Caleb, and they've gone across the land, and now they're beginning to take over the land, and Joshua's the leader of the people. And Caleb goes to Joshua and says, Joshua, God promised me that mountain, and Moses said I could have it when we walked through here a long time ago because we were faithful. And I want the mountain that God has promised to me. And it's a great picture, a great illustration tonight of every single one of us has a mountain in our lives. Some of you may have a broken home, may have a family that's shattered. Some of you may have wayward children. You may have a mom or dad that's not living for God. Some of you may have a work problem. You may have a a financial problem. Some of you may have a spiritual burden and problem in your own life. There's something you want to see God do, every single one of us, unless you're cold and hardened completely over to the things of God. Calvary has gone forward again and again and again, but what could God do? What's the mountain you want to see God do? Not necessarily a numerical mountain. What do you want to see God do in your life? You may have a problem that only God can handle. We were at camp this past year in June or in July up in West Virginia with the kids and was beginning to talk to some of the kids and I had a girl come across the field. They had a gigantic field and she came up and she said, my mom and dad aren't in church. She said, I'm the only one in my family that tries to live for God. Guess what? She went home to a great big mountain. Kids come back. They say, my mom's a crack addict. She's on drugs. She's fixing to bust up with my dad and all kind of situations. Some of them said, when I go to school, I'm the only person I know that's going to want to live for God. And there's hurdles and trials and mountains waiting. Well, God can bring victory in those mountains. I want you to notice three things this evening and we'll be done. Notice, first of all, the problem of the mountain. So what are you talking about? Look in verse number 12. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. You know the first problem of a mountain is? The mountain. My wife and I, she always hears me say this when we drive up to the mountains. We go up to the mountains. We go up, you know, the fall colors are changing. And we drive up. And some of those mountains you go and you go and you go. And you finally get to the top of the mountain. And when you get to the top, what do you see? More mountains. You know what I always tell her? I said, if we were frontiersmen, we would stop right here. You say, why? Because I say, I ain't going up all them other mountains. Why? Because the trial of the mountain themselves, the climbing the mountain. These people that go mountain climbing, I don't know. I'm not doing mountain climbing. You say, why? Uh, Not when they got good flat land. Amen. I'm not into mountain climbing. That's just not my thing. But part of the trial itself is the mountain. You've got a problem in your life, and the mountain itself is a problem. And you say, what am I going to do? Do you know a lot of times your problem has other problems associated with your problem? 
So we're talking about if you've got a lot of bills, there's probably problems associated with your bills. Why you got the bills? Notice what else is said in verse 12. Now therefore give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there. Say, who's the Anakims? If you read Deuteronomy chapter number 2, the Anakims were giants. You ever had a problem in your life and you say, I don't know how I'm going to get to this victory. You might work with somebody that just is a thorn in your flesh. If you try to live for God, somebody's not going to like it. Now, I don't mean somebody doesn't like you because you're a jerk at work. That's not what I mean. But if you're living for God and trying to make an impact for the Lord, somebody is going to be irked by that. Not everybody gets the privilege of working around people that are saved by the grace of God. And you get around folks that are going to antagonize you and you're trying to get victory over whatever it is and people's going to prod you and add to the problems. What else is it? Notice what the Anakims were. It said the Anakims were there and that the cities were great and fenced. So notice the problem that Caleb's got. Number one, he's got to fight a mountain. Number two, is full of giants. And number three, they're in fenced cities. Sounds like a pretty big problem. You know what Caleb says? Let's do it. You know what that is? Faith. You might work on a bus route and you say, I want to see instead of 10, I want to see 20. You got a mountain. And there's anacoms that are going to try to hinder you. You may see a kid come in and you say, I'd love to see that kid get saved. Guess what? That's a mountain to see some of these kids saved. Guess what? God can do it. You may want to see a building up on the hill. Guess what? God can do it. What do you want to see God do? You may want your Sunday school class full. You may want to see people in your row. Look beside of you. If there's empty seats, guess what? There's room to grow. One of the amazing things about this building is the preacher could add a whole other row and most people wouldn't even know it. So what happens? We start getting full. He'll add a row and you'll say, man, I thought we had this thing full. We got to work harder. And about the time you get it full, guess what he'll do? He'll add another row. Man, we got to work harder to hurry and get this place full. What am I getting at? What do you want to see God do? What do you want to see God do? What, do you, what young person do you want to see on fire for God? Guess what? Pray about it. Get on board. Well, how do you get there? How do you get victory in your life? What is it you want to see God do? Maybe it's a lost person. Brother John White and I have been praying for a guy that's lost, and he says he's saved, but he's the only one that believes he's saved. Why? There's never been a change. If you get saved, you will be different. You won't be perfect, but you will be different. Something will change. I remember when I got saved, I was 13 years old. I got saved and I quit cussing. You said you cussed at a 13-year-old. You ain't been around many 13-year-olds lately, have you? I'm ashamed of the fact, but I did. Guess what? I got saved and I just quit. I got away from God. Guess what I found? Got right with God. Guess what I lost? But you'll be different. God will make a difference in your life when you're saved. Well, how, what does it take to get a mountain? What does it take to gain victory? Well, let's look in these passages. Let's look in this past scripture. Look in verse number 8. Several things. Now, you see a problem in the mountains, but there's power in the mountain. How so? Verse number 8 says, Nevertheless, my brethren, that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Remember, Caleb is talking about the people that said, We can't do it. We can't get victory. Can I tell you there's people at Calvary Baptist Church that'll say, oh, we can't get in another building. Look at the way things are in our world. You can't do that. Are you limiting us or are you limiting God? Goes on to say, but I wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, what does that mean? Totally, completely, entirely, I, ho- thou hast, I wholly, 
follow the Lord my God. Look at the last part of verse number 9. Because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. Look at verse number 14. Because thou hast wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Three times it is said of Caleb that he wholly, completely, totally, utterly followed God. Could somebody say that about you? When you get up in the morning, would your spouse look at you and say, they wholly follow God? Some of you get up in the morning and look like you're ready to you know, follow Satan. Somebody says something to you. <sighs> coffee. <laughs> then you get your coffee and then you're, hey, you ready for a good day? Okay, you can follow God then, right? Do you wholly follow God? When something goes wrong at work, do you wholly follow God? I remember one time, my dad, we've got a big machine that pours concrete curb out of. And you load it, it's a huge trailer, huge machine, and my dad was loading it. And as he, or he was actually unloading it, as he is unloading it, it runs on three legs, three big old crawlers. And the front leg broke. It's about this big around, and the thing broke. The bolts on it sheared. And the thing's tottering, about to fall. We're talking about a, a multi-ton machine about to go over. And my dad gets off, and he walks around it, and he looks like this. And the guys at work are standing there. They're watching him, watching the machine, watching him. He goes around and looks. He comes back around. He says, all right, well, we'll pull the machine back up and strap it back down. I think I can get it on and we'll take it back to the shop. And he pulls it up and the guy's still standing there. And when my dad gets done, he says, all right, we're going to jump in. We'll go to the shop. And the guy said, that's it? He said, what's it? He said, when are you going to start yelling and screaming and cussing it? He said, that ain't going to fix it. But how often is it in your life you let the situation take over and you no longer wholly, completely totally, utterly follow God. God wants to use you to win the victory in the mountain. But if you're not wholly committed to Him, you're not on board with Him. Not only did He wholly follow God, look at what it says. Look in this passage of Scripture. It says in verse number 12, it says in the latter part, He says, If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said he had God's promise he could get the mountain he said as long as God goes with him well if you read chapter 15 he gets the mountain guess what that means God went with him do you know why God went with him because Caleb was going where God was going you find out which way God's going and you go that way and guess what you'll be with the Lord God wants to fellowship with you Amos 3 3 says can two walk together except they be agreed you know why a lot of people don't walk with God? They're not in agreement with Him. You look at what you watch on television. Is it something that the Lord would sit down and watch? You say, well, the Lord wouldn't watch TV. Well, we're probably all guilty then. But what I'm saying is this. The content of what you watch, is it something that would be pleasing to the Lord? The things you talk about, could you be in agreement with the Lord by what you say? If you've got God's presence, you can gain victory in the mountain. Notice something else about what this says. Look at what it says in verse number, uh, verse number 10. This is amazing to me. Joshua and Caleb, Caleb was 40 years old when he spies in the land. That's one year younger than me. So I put myself, I can understand where he's at then. But notice what it says now in verse number 10. It says, And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. What does that mean? Caleb 
when he was 40 years old, spied the land out. And when he got in the land, he, a lot of people have their midlife crisis and around 40, they start going, what do I need to do with my life? Caleb found what he needed to do. He needed to get that mountain. And God promised him that mountain. And when he got there, he said, oh, God, you're going to give it to me. God said, I'm going to give it to you. He said, all right, Lord. Now he's 85 years old and he still doesn't have the mountain. Did God lie? God just doesn't rush. Now I want to ask you this. You know why Caleb got the mountain? Because he didn't quit. How often has God promised you something or God burdened your heart over something and you begin to pray on it and you begin to act on it and within two weeks it hadn't happened and you go, God doesn't want that, I'm done. Caleb prayed for 45 years that God would give him that mountain before it ever happened. I was thinking about this while I was preparing to preach. I preached this at camp. And while I was there, I thought, God, I'm 41. That means for the next 45 years, I've got to get a burden for something and stay on it if I wanted to be like Caleb. How hard is that? You know why some of you hadn't seen that loved one saved yet? You hadn't kept a burden for them. You know why some of you hadn't seen that loved one saved yet? You quit praying for them after a week or two. You quit witnessing to them. You quit having a burden to want to see them saved. Why is it that you hadn't seen God do great things in your life? Because you fall out right away when God doesn't do it right when we want to. We are the most impatient people. Have you ever been like me? I remember one time I went, I was in the grocery store and I said, man, I'm going to find me something quick to cook for this week. And I went down and I looked through the, the microwave food section. And I walked, went down through there, and yeah, I know it's unhealthy. But I went down through there, and I said, ooh, this looks good. I turned around, I said, five minutes? I ain't got time for that. <laughs> five minutes to cook something in the microwave. And I said, whoa, that's way too long. Are we not the most impatient people? The other day, I pulled up to a drive through window. I went to Bojangles, and they did not put my pork chop in the bag. Yeah, that's bad, ain't it? The line, I done waited like 20 minutes in that line. And I said, I looked in the bag. I looked at my receipt. And they didn't even have it on the receipt. So they're not that they just didn't put it in there. They didn't even ring it up. I said, well, I can't go in there retching and complaining because it's not even on my receipt. So I said, well, I'll go over to McDonald's. I was getting breakfast for everybody. I drove over. I said, I'll drive over to McDonald's. Man, look at that line. I ain't waiting in that line. I'll go to Taco Bell. Boy, I was desperate. You know I was desperate for breakfast. I pulled up. And I whipped up to the line, and I looked, and I, nobody was in line. Boy, that should have been my cue right there. <laughs> I pulled up, and I'm waiting at the speaker. They do sell breakfast at the one in Troutman, but I don't know how much, because I sat there about two minutes and said, boom, and I drove off. Why? Nobody ever talked to me. Impatience. I went home and ate a breakfast bowl that was microwavable. It only took three minutes, so I had that much patience. But we don't want to wait. God, like the preacher says, the woman said, God, I want patience and I want it now. Isn't that often how we are? What is it you want God to do? I appreciate a pastor with patience. What if we had a pastor that wasn't patient and said, all right, we're going to start digging footings on a new building. If God didn't say dig footers, you better not dig footers. But if God ends up making a promise... When's he going to fulfill it? When God has time to fulfill it. It's not on our time. But he waited for 40 
five years. I asked Miss Brenda tonight, I said, how long has Calvary been open in operation? And she gave me the dates, and I went, I got ready to get my phone out and calculate, and Brother Mike said, 56 years. That is right, right, 56 years. 56 years Calvary's been, it been open as a church. Has Calvary seen an impact, a growth since then? Most definitely. It's a whole lot different than it was when it opened. But what could Calvary be in another 56 years if people get a burden for God and keep wanting that mountain, keep wanting to see people saved? Notice something else about what he did. Look at verse number 11. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. What did he say? He said, I was 40 years old when Moses sent me. I'm 85 now and I'm still ready to go fight the giants. Anybody in here 85 years old, you ready to go fight some giants? I'm 41 years old. I don't want to fight anybody. He said, I'm not giving up, and I've still got the same fight in me that I did then. You know what I see in a lot of churches? Folks will get older and older, and they want to do less and less. They say, well, I can't do as much physically. You can do something far more vital than the physical work. You can carry the spiritual battles. We got some folks, some young couples coming up. Boy, they're on fire for God. Some singles that are on fire for God wanting to go out and do something for God. If you can't go out and help them, you sure ought to lift them up in prayer. But he said, I haven't given up. It's not a time to fizzle out for God. Keep going. But I want you to see something. There were problems in the mountain. There was power in the mountain. But I want you to see how he, what happened when he got possession of the mountain. Notice what happens. Look in verse number 14. It says, Hebron thereof became the inheritance of Caleb. You know what he got? He got the mountain. He didn't quit. He didn't give up. He kept fighting till he got what God promised him he would have. You might have somebody that's lost you want them to see saved. If you don't give up, you might just see them saved. You've heard the preacher tell the story about the lady. Came down to the altar, was praying for her husband in a service. Didn't even realize he was sitting back in the service while she's praying for him to get saved. Been praying for like 20 years. He comes down the aisle and gets saved. She's over there praying, hearing people shout the victory. She doesn't realize it till she stands up and looks and it's her husband that got saved. What if she had gave up years before? She had never got that mountain. Who is it that you want to see saved? I heard Dr. Alan Barker say one time, there was an old farmer lived up in Yadkin County, and Brother Barker went to witness to him, and he told the guy, he said, I just told him how to be saved, plain as day. And the farmer said, well, I don't know, I'm just not into that. And Preacher Barker said, well, look, I love you, and I want you to come to church. He said, I'd witness to him as plain as I could. And he said, I'd go back as a pastor and go back and just visit him and say, look, I want to see you in church Sunday. He said, I didn't have to browbeat him and, and jump all over him. He knew how to be saved. He said, I just now want him to know I loved him. He said, I kept praying for him and kept going by. One time, I believe Brother Barker was in missions then, traveling out west. And he came by and he said, I was home and I thought, I'm just going to go stop and talk to him. He went and stopped. He said, I'd been praying for him. He said, I went to talk to him and said, hey, I just want to call and check on you. You know what the old farmer said? It's time for me to get saved. Why? Because he didn't give up on him, and he got the mountain. I want you to see something else about that mountain. What is it about the mountain that God could use? Now, notice something. In verse number 15, it says, In the name of Hebron before was Kirjath Arba, which is Arba, which was a great man among the Anakims. You know what? It used to be called something else, and now it was called Hebron. 
say, so what? What's that got to do with anything? If you look in Joshua chapter number 20, I'm not going there, but Joshua tells of six cities in the nation of Israel. Three were on the west side of Jordan. Three were on the east side of Jordan. And those cities were very special because those cities, if you murdered someone by accident and you had to flee the family, if you were trying to evade problems, you could go to one of these six cities and if you got within the city's boundaries and you stayed in the city, you were protected and no man could harm you. It was referred to as a city of refuge. Hebron became a city of of refuge. Say, what's that got to do with anything? Do you know you might be battling through a trial right now? You might have a physical ailment. You might have somebody lost you've been praying for. You might be working on a bus route wanting to see it grow. You may be walk see some of those bus kids come walking through the door and you get frustrated. Instead of getting ill at them, pray for them. Amen? And you start praying for them and get a burden for them. And then when they walk in one day and they get saved, guess what? You'll have a testimony of something you can go to. And when somebody else says, why should I keep praying? Because you've got a heat experience you could say come to my refuge look what happened you may have lost a loved one and you said I don't know how I'm going to make it through it and years have gone by and you've made it through it now when somebody else loses somebody you could say come here I want to be a blessing to you Miss Sandy I've told people I said look if you want to talk to somebody they've lost children I said I got a lady at my church be glad to talk to you she doesn't have to know you, but she's got a Hebron experience. She went through the loss of a child and came out victorious on the other side. Was it hard? Yes, it was a mountain. It was a battle. There were giants. They were in fenced cities. But she made it through, and guess what? She uses it now to be an encouragement, a refuge for someone else that needs help. You may have come through drunkenness and drugs and whatever it may be and now you're on the other side and somebody else is trying to get up the mountain. You've got a Hebron experience. You can go to them and say, you can make it. God can do this for you. But if you don't get victory over the mountain, you can never help anybody else get their victory. Let me show you one more thing. Go to chapter number 15. Never really noticed this or put this with this passage of Scripture until today. I was reading through here. Chapter number 15, if you begin in verse number 13, it says, And unto Caleb, the son of Jephna, he gave a part among the children of Judah. And it begins to go down through and tell about Caleb getting the victory. Well, it comes in verse number 16. Caleb says, Whoever smiteth cured Jathsephor will get my wife to marry. And Othniel says, I'll take that challenge. You put a woman on the line, some men. Do you ever notice how brave men get when they want to impress some girl? I told Natalie, I said, I remember when we was about fifth or sixth grade, boys be playing basketball, and they're over there shooting, like, and they shoot, hoping some girl saw them, and the girls don't even care what they're doing, but the guys are like, I think she saw me shoot that. And they're thinking, oh, he's sweating, right? You put a girl on the line, and the man will show off. He will try to do what he can to impress. Well, guess what? He wanted this girl's hand in marriage. So he goes and gains the victory. Well, notice what happens in verse number 16. Notice what Caleb's daughter does and it came to pass as she came unto him that she moved him to ask of her father a field so Caleb's daughter tells her new husband says look why don't you go ask daddy for that field now it goes on to say and she lighted off her ass and Caleb said unto her what wouldest thou who answered give me a blessing for thou hast given me a southland give me also springs of water and he gave her the upper springs and the nether springs. This is the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Judah according to their family. Say, what's that got to do with anything? What do you bet her daughter or his daughter has grown up seeing Caleb? 
as a 40-year-old man. So maybe she was already a small child. And as she's gotten older and older, what do you bet Caleb said, Honey, let me tell you about what happened that day we went and spied on the land. You know why I know that? Because dads always tell the crazy stories of stuff they did when they were young. I always tell my kids, I don't even exaggerate it, usually. <laughs> Only when necessary. I do selectively tell stories, though, from my past. Amen. So Caleb, no doubt, has told his daughter, let me tell you what God did. God sent us in. Now, there were some that didn't. That's why we didn't get to come out of the pro go into the promised land as early. He said, but honey, let me tell you, God has promised us a mountain over in the Canaan land. God made me a promise, and God's going to deliver that promise. Honey, I'm not giving up till I see God give what God promised. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep living holy for God. I'm not going to back off until I see God bring victory. You know what I've seen a lot of parents do? They'll stand up, I'm going to live for God, I ain't backing out. And three weeks later, they ain't even in church. I don't want my kids looking back and seeing me look wishy-washy. You know what happened? Caleb stuck to it for 45 years. And when he begins to see the victory, you know what I believe his daughter said? Boy, it's real. If God can do something for my daddy, God can take care of me too. She asked for a blessing, and now that her dad's followed God, he's able to bestow a blessing on her. Can I tell you the greatest thing as a parent you can bestow upon your kids? It's not a fat bank account. It's not something to leave behind for them to keep and that, a, that moth and dust, rust doth corrupt. It's a godly heritage where they learn how to live for God and be faithful to the things of God. Never could this woman say, my dad, boy, he, he said one thing and he did another. He wholly followed God. You know what I want my two kids to say? I want my two kids to say, they can't say I'm perfect. I've had to go to them before and say, I was wrong. I handled that wrong. I said that wrong. I was wrong. But I want them to know my dad was real. You know, he didn't come home and cuss my mama. I've never done that. I don't want my kids seeing that. He wasn't mean to my mama. He didn't abuse people. He wasn't hateful when we'd go out to eat somewhere. He tried to be the same no matter where he went. I want my kids to see that. I don't want to be a two-faced person to my kids. Why? Because I want them to know that it still works. It's still real. What do you want God to do? Let's stand to our feet. What do you want God to do? Maybe there's a mountain you want to pray for. Maybe it's some person in your family you've been praying for. Maybe you fizzled out on praying for them. They're going to die and go to hell. Maybe it's something about this church you want God to do. Maybe it's something you want to see God do at the church. Maybe it's a bus route you want God to move in. Oh, it doesn't happen overnight. But are you willing to hang in for the 45 years like Caleb did? Some of you say, I won't even be around 45 years. Some of you have been hanging in a long time already. What do you want God to do? What is it at Calvary you want God to do? What is it in your life you need God to do? Some of you has got kids that hadn't darkened the door of a church in years. Do you need to pray for them? Who is it? What is it that you want God to move in? Maybe it's a work situation. Maybe it's a family situation. Maybe it's a financial situation. Maybe it's a relationship situation somewhere else. What is it you want God to do? Maybe you're a young person and you want God to move in your youth group and see some people get really on fire 
for God. Maybe you're a young couple and you say, God, I don't want to fizzle out. I want to be the next generation to press on, to wave the banner. What is it you want God to do? What is it you want God to do? God's got so much He could do through us if we would wholly follow Him. If you're a Sunday school teacher, do you hold your class up as a mountain wanting to see it grow and do more and do better? I walked into our class two weeks ago on a Tuesday. I plugged a copy machine up in our class. And God said, pray for these people more than you ever have. Why? Because they're mountains waiting to see God use them. What is it you want God to do? Who is it you want God to save? Brother Dermont's going to come take the invitation. Who is it? What is it? That's a mountain you want God to move in. These are praying. This old-fashioned altar is open. What's your mountain tonight? There's no mountain too difficult, too high for the Lord to help us through. Are you being patient? Are you waiting on God? We just trust Him with all our heart, realizing He's in control, and He'll help us through if we'll trust Him. And we've seen God do some mighty things here in the ministry of Calvary Baptist Church. He's going to do some mighty things in the coming days. Let's just trust Him. Keep our eyes on Him. Hey, just keep on keeping on. And there's no telling what God's going to do through the ministry here. Pray for our pastor. Pray for the leadership. Pray for one another. Pray that God will have His hand upon this place. That God will give us the mountain. You know, our mountain is this community. God has placed Calvary Baptist Church on White's Mill Road uh, to reach this community. That's our mountain. Let's reach it. Let's ask God, give us this mountain for the cause of Christ. Amen. Amen. If you need to come, this old-fashioned altar is open. Amen. Only trust Him. Amen. All right, Brother Justin, we... Sure do appreciate that. We appreciate Brother Justin, Miss Natalie, all they do. Brother, how about y'all go back and stand at the back door and y'all go by and tell them how much you love them, how much you appreciate them. What a wonderful message that was. I tell you what, uh, you know, we, we heard about uh, the grapes this morning. And we need some real grapes. Yeah, we don't need the fake stuff. We're gonna, if we're going to expect to get the mountain, we're going to have to be real. And it's still real. <laughs> Didn't you like that song? Wasn't that wonderful? And it is still real. The Christian life is real. And let's just keep on trusting God and ask Him, God, give us this mountain and let's be real. Amen. All right. Well, let's go ahead and close in prayer. Thank Him for a good day and just ask God to continue what He's doing here at Calvary. Help us to be in the center of His will. Brother Clark, how about you pray and ask God to bless the ministry?